0: Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and I'm just so glad you're here. This podcast is designed to dig below the surface. We're going to talk about everything from life to love and pretty much everything in between. So go ahead and leave that Superman cape of having it all together at the door because life is freaking messy. Don't I know it. Now, not only are we going to be real, we're going to have some fun, too, because Lord knows I will find any excuse to bring up Beyonce or the latest episode of The Bachelorette. So if you're a new friend, welcome. Make sure you're subscribed to the Refined Collective Podcast on iTunes. And if you're an old friend, welcome back. And would you do me a quick favor? Hop on over to iTunes, leave us a five-star rating and written review. I would be so grateful. Finally, if something stands out to you in this episode, go on and slide into my DMs on Instagram. I love hearing from you. It's at The Refined Woman. Now let's go ahead and get to it. Welcome to The Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. And thank you, Newsstand Studio here at One Rock Center for hosting me today. And Joe, thank you for producing my podcast and for Kitty running all the logistics to make TRC a reality. Also, thank you to my ever faithful Patreon community. My Patreon fam supports TRC for $5 a month. And as a thank you, I create weekly exclusive content just for them. So if you want to link arms with me and support TRC, and in doing so, get some VIP weekly content, go to patreon.com slash The Refined Collective. I'm an avid reader. I'm the girl who always has at least three books going at once, from nonfiction to memoirs, and I love getting lost in a good fiction book. I just got a new fiction book that I'm super excited about called Lost and Found Bookshop by Susan Wiggs. This New York Times bestseller, now in paperback, begins like this. After her mother's death, Natalie Harper inherits a charming but financially strapped bookshop in San Francisco and becomes caretaker for her ailing grandfather. Books provide welcome solace for her grief and struggle. This is a novel that book lovers will love. It's the perfect feel-good summer read. I don't know about you, but I just want a feel-good book to read at the pool. People Magazine calls the book a feel-good family saga, a charming tale about the silver linings of unwanted detours. This is perfect for readers of Jennifer Weiner, Emily Henry, Amanda Iyer-Ward, or even Jojo Moyes. This is a great pick for book clubs and also really great to enjoy on the beach, at the lake, on vacation, or just in the comfort of your own home with a glass of wine. You can grab Lost and Found Bookshop wherever books are sold or find more at susanwigs.com. That's S-U-S-A-N-W-I-G-G-S dot com. Now, we've been running strong here on the podcast for three and a half years. And this podcast is seriously one of my favorite things I get to do in my life. And I want to celebrate with you a huge milestone we have just received here at the podcast. This spring, we hit 1 million podcast downloads. Like what the heck? Over 1 million people have listened to this show from all over the world. And I want to freaking celebrate that with you. So I have spent time with my team combing through the archives of TRC And for the next few weeks, I'm relaunching our most downloaded episodes of all time. You may or may not be surprised that almost all of the highest downloaded episodes have to do with sexuality, spirituality, along with dating, relationships, and personal growth. Now, if you're new to TRC, buckle up because you likely haven't heard a lot of this content. And if you've been here from the beginning... First of all, I love you. And second of all, it never hurts to have a little refresher on some of this content. So welcome to the official TRC Remix series, where as per usual, I'm going there, the hard places, the taboo places, and asking hard questions that may make you squirm in your seat, but I believe we'll all be better for it. Today's TRC Remix episode is with certified relationship coach Jillian Tarecki. I freaking love this girl. Her IGTVs give me life. So if you are single or even if you're in a relationship, make sure to follow her Instagram, Jillian Turecki, J-I-L-L-I-A-N-T-U-R-E-C-K-I, because she offers so much free coaching on there. Now, are you single? Are you having a hard time breaking through in your dating life? Does it feel like there are no good single ones left? Does it feel easy to see lack all around you? Now, let me ask you this. What if you are the common denominator in all of your dating or lack thereof experiences? What if you could actually be the one who's blocking yourself from love? Jillian offers some profound insight on just this. So get ready for some hard and also super practical truths. Welcome to another episode of the Refine Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. And today I have New York City-based certified relationship coach, Jillian Tarecki, who I stumbled upon through the wonderful world of Instagram. Thank you, social media. And I'm so excited to be having a conversation with her about love. So welcome, Jillian. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you. And I know I shared this with you off air, but my friend DM'd me one of your IGTVs about <laughs> love and relationships and kind of how do I know if I'm in my own way? And I think I watched it three times. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and it was like, furiously taking notes. And instantly was like, I need to have a conversation with this woman. So, oh,
1: that's great. Well, I'm happy to be here and have this conversation with you.
0: (laughs) Me too. And you know, before we get started into our conversation, I would just love for people to know a little bit about who you are and why you are. Why do? Why are you doing what you're doing? how How did you get here? Like, was this always the plan for you to be a coach?
1: No, definitely not. I've been practicing yoga for a little over 20 years and teaching it for about 16 years now, 17 years. And I would say about like 7 years ago, I was starting to feel like I wanted to do not necessarily something else with my life because I love teaching yoga and always loved teaching yoga, but I wanted more for myself, but I had no idea what that more looked like. I just had this I didn't I knew that I wanted my career to go somewhere, but I had, I had no vision and no, no, I couldn't imagine what it would look like. And then six years ago, I just went through a very serious trauma. My husband left, I went through a miscarriage and my mom was dying of lung cancer. So within a very short period of time, I went through a divorce and the divorce was painful, but you know, usually what's most painful is what leads up to the divorce <laughs> and so i had a really hard marriage and lost the person who i believed was going to be the love of my life for the rest of my life mm. and then my mom um with whom i was very close uh was dying and then died and so that was sort of the dark night of the soul for me. And I, um, really did not know. It was just, it was one of those moments where my life fell apart. And when, I don't know if you've ever had a moment like this where you're just like, well, I surrender because there is nothing that I can do right now. And during that time, I, I, got really into Tony Robbins and started listening to him every single day and starting to do a lot of personal development stuff and I start I actually hired a coach who, who was a woman who lived in my building who I was very friendly with and we just had even before I hired her as a coach we had one conversation and she was like you should really be a coach and it was just it didn't even dawn on me because I was just in such turmoil an emotional turmoil I mean I was an absolute wreck. And it was, it was, I just couldn't even imagine thinking about where I was going to take my future. But anyway, it was through my healing that I discovered what it took for me to step back into my life as a new woman. And then I just knew that I had to help others do the same. And I became obsessed with what makes a relationship work and not work. Cause I was really, I had a very strong belief entering my marriage, which is that I'm never going to get divorced. Mm. And two years in we get divorced. And I was really, I was very hung up on that. And I was very hung up on the fact that I still had not found the relationship that was going to last forever. And I could not understand it. So I made it a mission of mine to figure out myself and to figure out relationships. And it just sort of built on that. And then that's how it all began.
0: Wow. That's, it's so powerful. And your story reminds me of, I've said this on the podcast many times, but I had a pastor one time say, do you want to know what your leader's greatest fear is or greatest insecurity or the thing that they're working on most in themselves? See what their message is Mm. and their mess, like your pain becomes your testimony. Your, your wounds become the access point for your biggest source of growth, not only for yourself, but also your message for the world. And it's absolutely true. It's just so it's so wild. Someone asked me today, you know, oh, you have this platform and you you share with women about worth and value. Have you ever struggled with worth? And I was like, freaking mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. Me seeing the worth and value in another person affirms to me over and over again that if it's true for her, it's also true for me. Absolutely. And if it's true for me, then it's true for another person, you know, absolutely. 100%.
1: And, you know, and that's how you also, that's how you transform pain as well. Mm. You know, when you start to get really curious about it and then you turn it into, you alchemize it into something that you're going to help others with. I mean, that's, that's, uh, to me, that is the, um, the very root or the core of healing is learning how to use the lessons, learning the lessons, exploring the lessons, and then helping others in any capacity that you want to help others. Mm -hmm. It doesn't even have to look like a business or it could, but Mm -hmm. that is what I've been, what I've found to be the most profound
0: healing. So you have gone on this journey of your own and now you are living that and embodying that to support so many other people and what you talked about on the igtv story that i saw was you asked this question are you blocking yourself from love Mm -hmm. and immediately i read that question and what i naturally want to say is no It's not my fault. I'm doing all the things, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. like I'm putting myself out there. I am doing the online dating. I've done therapy. I've done the emotional intelligence trainings. Yeah. One thing that my coach says to me is, well, based off results, you still want to be single and. I think it can be really easy for myself and I'm sure so many other people to just look externally and say things, conversations that I hear all the time and that I have said myself is, well, I live in a city like New York and it's a two to one female to male ratio. And that doesn't take into consideration. Is this person sharing my faith? Are they looking for a relationship? And so the numbers aren't on my side or online dating doesn't work or guys just don't want to be in serious relationships. I've noticed that it can just be so easy to like, look at the external blame as opposed to being confronted with, well, how am I showing up? Absolutely. And how am I creating this thing, which can feel really confusing when you're like, well, I want to be in a relationship. Why would I be blocking myself from that? Mm -hmm. So I thought first, block might be a word that some people are unfamiliar with. So before we get into identifying how do we know if we're blocking ourselves from love, can you just unpack a little bit like what does it mean to be blocked from love?
1: So to be blocked from love and really to be blocked from anything is just to be in some way getting in the way of something that you want to, you know, come to you or something that you want to find. So it's like when you're blocked, usually what's happening is that there's, um, there's, we can, it's mostly psychological. So there's something going on in, you know, the way that you think about love or the way that you think about yourself that is getting in the way of you finding what you want to find. Or there is, I mean, it's all psychological, but your psychological will also affect, your psychology will affect your energy. So it's like, you think that, you know, just because you really want something doesn't necessarily mean that it's coming to you as quickly as you would like it to come. You know, wanting it is actually, wanting it is very important. Wanting it is really important. But then the question is, do you want it so much that you are settling? Do you want it so much that you are uh, obsessing So the settling and the obsessing, all those things, and, you know, can really actually prevent it from coming because, or it comes, but it comes wrapped up in a package that's not the package that you want, really, but it's a package that you'll take because you, you know, you feel needy or you feel a little bit desperate. And whenever we get, and and I know that desperate is such a dirty word out there, but it's important to really normalize it because we all get a little needy and desperate sometimes. And it doesn't mean that we are needy or desperate people. It's just a state. It's a thing that we feel sometimes. And when we get into a place of either hopelessness or helplessness, desperation or neediness, then we are really standing in the way between where we are and what it is that we want. And so the block is really just like a door or wall that is a metaphor for how we are sort of relating to the situation.
0: That's such a powerful way of putting it. And I love what you said is like our psychology determines our energy and our thoughts.
1: And our energy determines our psychology for sure, but they work both ways. Yeah, Yeah.
0: And even when you said, you know, you can want to be in a relationship. And I wonder if sometimes underneath that want that can feel so strong is, are there other things that we want subconsciously that are actually like trumping that desire um, from love? Whether it's like, I don't want to be hurt or I don't want to be vulnerable because when I fear, yeah, fear, exactly fear. Yeah. So how then do you identify if you're blocking yourself from love? Like how do we know? Well, so for
1: example, a lot of women and even men come to me and say, well, you know, I've done the work. I really want it. Like you said, you know, a couple of minutes ago, like I'm out there, I'm putting myself out there. I'm doing all the quote unquote right steps. I'm doing everything that I've been told I should do. I'm following the rule book, so to speak. And yet it's still not happening or the people who do enter my life are totally wrong for me. It's that moment where you're just like, I don't understand, you know, I want this so badly, why isn't it coming? And that's when you're just like, okay, is there something deeper here? Is there, like you said, is there a fear that's, that's actually, you know, getting in the way? The fear point is you want a relationship, but you also associate a lot of pain to being in a relationship. So you don't actually do that much, you know, work to put yourself out there or someone is really out there and doing it and doing and doing it, but they're, they've lost faith in the fact that like, you just got to chill and the right person will come. And whenever we want something so badly, I want people to want things. So it's not about letting go of the desire. I think desire is really important, but when you want something so badly that what's, 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 fueling that desire is an anxiety, then you start to run into sticky territory because you, first of all, you know, time goes by really fast. If you hadn't noticed when you're not paying so much attention to the thing that you want, but when you're hyper-focused on the thing that you want, it's like one week feels like a year. But if you're just living your life and enjoying your life with some faith that it will happen when the timing is right, time t- tends to speed up. So that's just one way to
0: to think about it. Even when you say that, I think of the quarantine we've been in. And I think, yeah, I remember seeing this meme in March and it was like, in case you lost track of time, it's March 97. And it was just like, <laughs> man, like March felt like this forever month. And then for me, April has felt like blink and then it was gone yes and I wonder if the shift of that was for me a lot of March was what's happening like do I need to be putting out new content there was like I was being driven by a lot of fear Mm -hmm. and uncertainty and this feels out of my control and I don't feel like I'm as productive as I normally am and then a few weeks in I just started to surrender to the process And I'm just like, I don't know what tomorrow will look like. I don't know how long I'll be living with my parents. I don't know what the next month looks like. And it's been interesting for me once I released my agenda, how like literally April I blinked and I was like, oh, I guess it's over. That's it. You know, it's the letting go. It's like wanting it and then
1: just the letting go. Yeah. And then you mentioned, you know, stuff about there's no good men out there or the dating apps or all that. Like those beliefs have a really huge impact on on your on one's ability to be able to quote unquote attract love into their life. You know, Mm -hmm. because beliefs dominate everything. If you know, if you could want love, but if you don't believe it's possible, then that is a, a, one of the biggest ways in which we block ourselves from getting the love that we want or the relationship that we want.
0: Over the last five years, I've fallen in love with skincare. My only regret is I wish I would have started focusing on it earlier. Today, I get to talk to you about Swedish skincare company Forio. Forio exists to reinvent beauty and wellness by offering an ever expanding range of innovative devices that instill confidence and provide a different kind of power to the one using it. The power of beauty. Now, Forio strives to transform the world by turning daily routines into vibrant rituals. They celebrate the beauty of aging gracefully, and their innovations make the perfect skincare partner for any stage of life. Now, here's where it gets exciting. Foreo has bundled their best-selling devices into a luxurious set exclusively for Amazon shoppers, featuring the Luna 3. You can choose the Luna 3 bundle that best suits your needs and skin type, whether you have normal, sensitive, or combination skin. Also included in this Amazon bundle is Foreo's UFO Mini and Call It A Night UFO Activated Mask. These three products together are the trifecta and will have your skin glowing and radiant in 90 seconds. Now this set is valued at $307.99 and retails on Amazon for $249. But for my listeners, you get the coupon code C 50 and you can get the entire at-home facial set for $199. So Head on over to Amazon.com and use the coupon code REFINEDC50. Finding a bra in general is a struggle fest, but finding a bra that not only fits, but is comfortable and also, you know, a little cute, maybe a little sexy too, I mean, it feels nearly impossible. Can I also tell you that bra shopping is one of my least favorite things to do? I think the only thing I like less than bra shopping is shopping for jeans. (laughs) I recently had not only an enjoyable but pain-free bra shopping situation with the female-founded and led company, Notori. Honestly, though, bra wearers, we should be buying bras from other women who wear bras, right? Josie Notori started the company from her living room as a young mother. The bra I have from Notori is the Feathers Bra in Black. I mean, a bra named Feather? Yeah, sign me up. It's supportive and so comfy, but also has this beautiful lace detailing that makes it feel feminine and sexy too. Notori is a global lifestyle brand, but still most known for bras and underwear And their products are made with this super soft fabric that keeps you comfortable and supported. Their products move with you throughout your day, whether you're transitioning from work, play, fitness, or even maternity. They also don't fall apart in the wash and maintain their signature look and feel over the long haul. On top of which, they offer a variety of sizes from size A to G cup. Notori is offering a 15% discount to the TRC community with the code REFINED. So go to www.notori.com and apply the code REFINED at checkout for 15% off your purchase. That's N-A-T-O-R-I dot com. And you can also share your Notori experience on social media by using hashtag MyNotori and share why Notori bras make you look and feel your best. Remember, code REFINED. And with beliefs, because I think here's the thing about beliefs that can feel tricky sometimes is Beliefs typically come from real circumstances. So whether it's, well, I am always the friend. I get stuck in the friend zone all the time. And perhaps it's been that way because you've experienced that multiple times. And so I think sometimes our circumstances, we then take out a narrative and then that becomes truth. And then whatever situation I go into, I then am wearing my, instead of rose-colored glasses, my I'm in the friend zone glasses. And then everything that does or doesn't happen becomes evidence. Mm -hmm. For me, then I'm always the friend. And so what would you say to someone... So I think when I was in that, so for me, that was a narrative I had for a long time. I was like, I'm always the bridesmaid, never the bride. I've been a bridesmaid 17 times. Um, it was got the my, guys I like only like my friends, mm-hmm. not me. Mm-hmm. And so when you've had those experiences, it can feel like really hard to be like, well, that's not like... A limiting belief, that's true. That's what's happened to me. So how can you, how would you right. coach someone to identify this is actually a belief that's holding you back? And how do you flip that when it feels like, well, everything in my life has led me to believe this thing is true?
1: Right. A good question. So two things about beliefs. One is whatever we believe, we will see. We don't, anything that we believe we will see evidence of it everywhere. Now, absolutely. It's true that, you know, you have certain experiences that happen and, and then what happens is that you have an experience and people can just have it happen once they get friend zoned. Literally they get friends. We'll just use the friend zone example, since that was the one you presented. Someone will be friend zoned once. And the, 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 um, the, ripple effect in our nervous system, in the circuitry there is huge. Then all of a sudden, what happens is that that same person then creates a story. The mm-hmm. story is, well, I'm, you know, I was friend-zoned. So maybe there's something wrong with me. And I don't know, maybe I'll be friend-zoned again. It's like literally this fear that starts to build. And then maybe it happens a second time. And then the story becomes, I'm always friend-zoned. And mm-hmm. as soon as that story becomes, we get attached to our story. And same thing. If you believe that, then that is actually what you're going to see all the time. The way that I would coach someone, therefore, is I would point that out. And then I would just challenge it and be like, is that really true? Because here's the thing about friend zoning. Friend zoning is an interesting thing because oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes we'll be friend zoned because of, That's literally the energy that we're putting out. The Mm -hmm. person thinks that we, that we're not even interested in them. So we get friend zoned Mm -hmm. or we get friend zoned because, you know, we, we didn't actually learn how to flirt when we were younger, you know, and, or we're really shy. So we get friend zoned. I mean, there's always the, the, the thing that I always tell clients is there is so much more to the story. And yet we get so narrowly focused on one aspect of the story that it becomes the the defining story of our lives. In many ways, it becomes part of our identity. And then once it actually becomes part of our identity, I'm the girl who always gets friend zoned. It's very, it's not impossible, but it gets very hard to break free of that because it becomes a pattern because it's part of your identity and so it's real it's amazing when I point that out to someone how that immediately does so much because they're like oh my god like wow I never thought of it that way Mm -hmm. and and then I really you know I take them back to that first moment that they were friend zoned and I have them really question the scenario like Is that really true? Could it be that this happened? Could it be that you actually friend zoned them first? And then that was just the vibe that you put out. And then the vibe was just reciprocated. There's so much more to the story and people really have to challenge themselves. So yes, it's, you know, it always happens. So therefore it's true. And it's like, that's really the most important pillar of self-awareness is really, I really looking into the stories and the identities and the, and the beliefs that you've created because of a single event that happened that then perpetuated because you literally told yourself it always happens
0: to you. Wow, man. <laughs> Ooh, how humbling to come to a place. So staying with that narrative and empowering. Yes. Of, oh, well, because yeah. yeah, it's empowering because then I'm not a victim to my circumstances. Exactly. I can shift the way I'm showing up. And that is what I discovered for myself with the friend zone conversation is I realized, oh, like it's easier for me to play the friend because I might not be getting the whole thing that I want, but I'm getting part of it and something feels better than nothing. Very good point. That Very, very good
1: point. It's also people who are afraid to really go there. So it's safer. It's like the safe choice. Yes. And then it becomes the... And then... Sorry to interrupt you, but you're just making such a good point, which is that, you know, people think I have been friend zoned by someone when really
0: you friend zoned yourself out of fear.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: How, you know, how much easier just to say, well, guys, just view me this way and Mm -hmm. perpetuate that your whole life as opposed to stopping and saying gosh, I have the power to take responsibility of this. Like, yes, I can actually learn how to flirt. (laughs) Yes. I, I can learn how to communicate what I want and need. I can learn to show up. One question I say to myself now before I go anywhere, and this is from Mindy Kaling, but whether it's with love or work, whatever, I just go, why not me? Right. Like I used to walk into a party and be like, oh, like no guy's gonna see me here. And now I'm like, why not? I'm freaking yeah. awesome. Like yeah. I am beautiful. I know my calling. I have vision for my life. Like, whoa, I am a catch. Why wouldn't that guy like me? Yes. Why wouldn't I get that book deal? Why not? And approaching life as a why not me, as opposed to like poor me, I never get what I want. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah, that's great. I love a why not me instead of for me. That's mm. excellent. Um, mm. Also, you know, the, one of the reasons why someone would actually walk into a party and and tell themselves like, you know, no one's going to look at me and all of that. You know, we don't do anything that doesn't there's that doesn't have some sort of side benefit. And this is where it's things linger in the subconscious, but it's so easy to bring up into consciousness. Um, Even just listening to this podcast, people are going to start to notice certain things. Like, you know, if again, using the friend zone um, example, it's very safe. And so if you walk into a room and you've already told yourself the disempowering story that no one's going to look at you, even though it feels really crummy in the moment, it actually is serving a purpose, and the purpose that it's serving is to keep you safe. And so, the deeper work with the client would be to understand why are you trying to remain safe, why are you trying to protect yourself from opening yourself up to love, and always it's because of a fear of not being enough or a fear of being abandoned and all of that. We're very tricky with with ourselves, you know. We can we will do a lot to prevent ourselves from opening up. And it's very important that there is a, there's always a protective part of our ego that is always trying to have our back, but is actually getting in the way of us experiencing
0: joy. But the intention there is just to be safe. So in that, how then can you unblock yourself?
1: It's like
0: you know, like oh man, I have these beliefs that are totally holding me back. Or man, my energy—I'm throwing, I'm the one throwing off the friend vibes or the I'm never going to get promoted vibes, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. How do you unblock yourself then?
1: Well, number one, you identify the beliefs that are holding you back. You don't, you, you just you admit that you're blocking yourself, and then you you identify. You can write it all down. Mm -hmm. All the ways in which you are, you write down all the beliefs all the stories, all the narratives, all the things that are creating the lens, the lens that needs a lot of cleaning, the dusty lens through which you are looking at this part of your life. And um, so you start with that and you start to question your beliefs and be like, is that really true? Like it can't really be true. And one Great way is to hang around with and talk to friends and people who really don't have those particular limiting beliefs about love as you do. And they offer you a completely different perspective. And that's very enlightening. We get stuck when we speak to people who have the same limiting beliefs as we do. And we have a tendency to do that because we like to talk about our problems with each other it's just something that we like to do it's it's a way that we connect and so you have to break free of that addiction of wanting to talk about your problems share your problems with your friends and together create this sort of energy where you're just blocking and more blocking and speak to people who have a completely different perspective and that's one way to do it and then to really get into where you're afraid and how you, um, you know, so maybe something happened in childhood, you know, the way that you watched your parents, um, again, past experiences, really, it's so important to identify the experiences that you had in your life that you're looking at with a very particular perspective that is actually having a chokehold on you rather than freeing you. Everything is perspective. Everything is perspective. And so we either have perspectives or meanings that keep us free, or we have perspectives and meanings that imprison us. And so that, I mean, this is like heavy lifting of self-awareness, but this is how we liberate ourselves from stuff. And then, you know, and whether it's the, I'm just obsessing about this constantly, you know, whenever we obsess about something, it's because deep down, we believe that we're not actually deserving of it. Or that it's not going to happen for us. So our minds try to figure out ways to, to solve the problem because that's what our minds do. But our hearts and our intuition is all about knowing. And so that's really just about getting out of the way, looking at your beliefs and, and all of that, and then unblocking yourself. And then in the investigation or through the investigation of your beliefs, you'll start to see where your deficits are in your sense of self-worth, you know, where your fears of, of not being enough are really getting in the way. And For some people, it's just a matter of doing more things that build their self-worth. And the number one thing that a person can do to build their self-worth is learn how to make themselves happy as opposed to waiting for someone to enter their life before they're able to be happy. Wow. It's the most important thing. You got to know yourself. You got to know yourself and feed yourself. And learn how to make yourself happy regardless of who's in your life and of course love in a relationship has the has the ability to really uh, break open our hearts and and create m- more joy for sure but you got to learn how to make yourself secure emotionally and you have to learn how to make yourself happy and that's mm-hmm. how you build your self worth and you know that could be for some people having more adventure in their life. That could be for mm-hmm. some people learning how to live up to their potential because they haven't been.
0: Wow. I think so much of the culture I grew up in and being a part of Christian culture and being Christian myself. And I was brought up in a culture where it was like, as a Christian woman, it's like, your goal is to be married. And I want to be married. I want to have children with my with my partner. Mm-hmm. and in that like it's like when you don't have that in these circles that i've grown up in it's like is there something wrong with you oh my gosh and i think what starts happening is like that like the marriage becomes like the goal that is fixated on and then it's like well my life will start when yes marriage happens i'll be able to step into my calling when i meet that person I will not struggle with body image once I meet my partner. Mm -hmm. And so it's like all this pressure is put on this person that may or may not be out there. It just makes me wonder, is this why there are so many single women? Because I just resonated so much with what you said. Like when we're obsessing over something, it's because A, like we deep down don't know if we're worthy of it. And we're terrified of not getting that thing. Yes. And what does that mean? What does that say about me if I don't get this thing? Um, And so, man, I'm just wondering, like, how to shift that narrative? I think in culture at large, although I feel like there's a lot more space, like, for women to be independent and have different life stories outside of, like, love and marriage and partnership. But I see so often in the church this, like, especially as a woman, it's like, your life isn't going to start until this happens. And so then it's like, there's this backbreaking, crippling, like desperate desire to meet your person. Yes. And like, I have felt that desperation at times. And so how, like, gosh,
1: well, no, well, first of all, cultural conditioning can be the hardest to shake right? Because it's like, mm-hmm. it's like glued into our nervous system. And like you said, like having a Christian background and upbringing and having to marry, I mean, that's also in, in, in the Jewish tradition. There's a lot of that pressure as well. Um, I would say that, um, and also in, in all, I mean, any, any upbringing where religion has a prominent, um, uh, has a prominent place in, in, the, in a family's life, there's going to be a lot of pressure on women to get married. I mean, you see that across all religions. And yeah. um, certainly, of course, it's changing now that it's 2020. And there's obviously a lot of things that are changing. But whenever you're raised with with a strong religious background, then that that pressure is going to be there. And so that can be a hard one to shake. And it's difficult because there's so many positives to having your faith. And there's so many things that are a part of it that's part of your identity. And, but it's, I believe that it's really important to challenge conditioning.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that does, and, and, and when I say challenge conditioning, is keep the things that are working for you mm-hmm. and question and challenge the things that are making you miserable. Mm-hmm. And, it's really it's just it's incredibly important and we are all products of our conditioning we're products of our conditioning from our parents and they're and they're products of their conditioning from their parents we are products of conditioning from our culture from our community um from media i mean all of it and i truly believe that part of what our our Individual quests are in this, on this earth is to break free of the conditioning that mm. is preventing us from being as happy and as joyous and as free as we possibly can. Yeah, it's hard to break free of it, but so much of being happy and feeling good in your body and your soul is, is being able to question that stuff and, and really just to be like, well, I mean, is that really true for me? Maybe there's something else that's true for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a really, it's been an exciting time for women for, uh, for many years now, but this is like really the time to be like, what is going to make me happy? And it can be very confusing for some people who are like, for example, very tied to their faith because it can, you know, and you, depending on the person, you would have to work slowly with that person because you don't want to break down their entire belief system. I mean, if we get, you know, to be stripped of our entire belief system all at once can be actually very emotionally dangerous, but you want to just one
0: belief at a time, just start because you're worth it. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. And I read, I don't know if you know who Ruthie Lindsay is, um is she the one who deals with pain management? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, she yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. or she has the, yes, yes. So her book just came out recently, there I am, and there's a sentence in there that says just because you know the story by heart doesn't mean it's true. Right. And oh, that that just stopped totally. me in my tracks because especially everything you're talking about conditioning and Right now I'm writing a book and so much of it is about identifying the cultural conditioning women in the church experienced growing up and Mm -hmm. not saying like, you know, to throw everything out, but identifying, okay, like actually like the whole narrative around like women not being able to use their voices or be leaders or be influential or not able to be sexual beings in the way that men are, or our lot in life is marriage, like these things that are kind of attached to it and the scripts that we hear, like really identifying what are those things and they may feel true because circumstances are true. But I think the invitation of faith, how I understand it is faith is leaning into the unseen. And faith is saying that's, that may be what was done in the past and that may be what it has felt like, looked like, that may be what my experience has been, but that doesn't mean it needs to be how it is now or moving forward. And do I believe in the possibility that there could be a different way? And I think that's like the journey of faith is saying, well, here's what circumstances are or have been, here's my experiences have been, and now let's lean into the possibility that it could be better than i could have ever imagined for myself
1: absolutely and the possibility of it being better than you could have ever imagined for yourself is looking back at the story and the thing is people have these narratives and they are the facts are true mm-hmm. but it's the perspective of what it's the meaning that you come up with you know as a result of having experienced that it's like you know you could go like for example my divorce could could mean that like, I'm not good enough, or my divorce could mean that I was liberated from a terrible situation. And now I'm free. So you Mm -hmm. decide on the meaning and that's really Mm -hmm. important. And I think that when it comes to, since you brought it up faith, you know, you decide what your faith means to you. Mm -hmm. And, and also I just want to dispel a myth, which is that life does not necessarily get easier when you get married. And I really think that, That's something that people need to be kind of kid over the head with. Mm -hmm. This is not the be all and end all. Sometimes your life gets worse when you get married Mm -hmm. because if you're not with the right person, Mm -hmm. because people get so fixated on the marriage Mm -hmm. that they don't take the time to, to assess if the person who they're marrying is the right person for them. Mm -hmm. And so they rush into it because they're like the end goal is the marriage, but the end goal should really be about being with the right person who you can do a marriage with. Absolutely. And so yeah, that's, that's really also, I think, an important one for people
0: to recognize. It's so good. And then if marriage is the be all end all, and I I think when we hold marriage to that standard, then we're also holding our partner, whoever we end up with to this, unreachable standard. So if, absolutely, if my calling and my purpose does not start until that day when a diamond ring slides down my finger, then this person, I'm looking to this person then to save me, fix me, determine yes. my worth, my purpose, yes. my calling. And that's not something that any other person ever can do for us. And so it's like, before we even go on date number one, it's like we've suffocated the relationship because of the pressure we've put on this person who we don't even know yet to fulfill these needs for us to answer these questions for us that were never theirs to
1: answer. Absolutely. That's really well said. And that's the energy of desperation Mm. and neediness. Mm. And that repels people. Mm -hmm. so that's one way that you can also block love if you just want it so badly and you're going in and you have all this pressure even if you don't say anything people we are energetic beings and we pick up on vibes all the time and if you have that feeling that you are like all everything all the pressure is on that person to make you happy and to be you know the knight in shining armor and all of that people pick up on that. And it's not attractive because we're, what we are innately drawn to is confidence and independence. It's what we want. I mean, we don't, you know, it's not like you have to be so independent by the way that you don't need someone. That's also a repellent for a lot of men. Men like to be needed and Mm -hmm. you know, women like to be needed, but you know, we, everyone is drawn to confidence no one is drawn to desperation.
0: Yeah. So maybe in there, could you maybe unpack a little bit about what's the difference between independence, codependence and interdependence? Uh I know. I love that. Yeah. We live in a society that's like, you know, I'm an independent woman. I don't need you. I got my own door. I got my own dinner. I don't need you at all. So it's like, there's this, my guy friends are like, ah, like, do I try to open her door or not? I feel like I'm damned if I do damned if I don't. Yeah. I
1: think so. I think, yeah, the, the I'm independent. I don't need you is as detrimental to relationships and to your life as codependency is. Wow. Wow. I really believe that because everything about love and falling in love is about receptivity. Everything Mm -hmm. about I'm independent. I don't need you. That is someone who is reacting to pain. That's trauma Mm -hmm. right there. That's like, you know, I, or that's conditioning. Like I saw my mom, you know, dependent on my father and miserable. And I made a promise to myself that I would never be that way. And that's Mm -hmm. not necessarily bad. It's better to be independent than dependent, than always dependent on men. Mm -hmm. But it's all about the pendulum, right? It's like the pendulum. You you have an experience and then the pendulum swings one way and you have a bad experience and then you swing the pendulum in the opposite direction. So you have on one side of the spectrum, you have codependence. And that is, I can't be happy unless you're in my life. I can't be happy unless you're happy. I don't know how to make myself happy. Your needs are more important than my needs to the degree that I don't even know what my needs are. Um, I, you know, I can't even focus on my own life cause I'm only focusing on yours. Okay. And then the other side of the spectrum is I'm so independent. I don't need anyone, which is like, I'm really code for, I'm afraid to rely on anyone. I'm afraid to ask for help. I'm afraid to need, if I'm vulnerable, I'm weak. And then in the middle, which is, you know, the quote unquote interdependence, which is like, I love you. I need you, but I don't need you to make me happy. I know how to make myself happy. I know how to have a life outside of this relationship, but wow, like, I love your love and, you know, I need your love. If I'm going to be in a relationship with you, I can rely on you. I can depend on you, but I'm not, but I can depend on myself as well. Mm -hmm. I'm self-reliant. And when I need my help, you're the first person I want to go to. I have my life. If we, if our relationship ends, I'm going to be incredibly upset. I'm gonna grieve. I'm gonna cry myself to sleep. But I'm never gonna question that I can't take care of myself.
0: Mm, That's it's a
1: hard one.
0: Yeah, hard hard one. one. Mm -hmm. You're saying it, and I'm like, this is liberating information, and also a big fat relief (laughs) to know I can be to be strong. To be a strong woman does not mean I don't need anyone or anything. It takes courage to say, I can open my door, but it would be nice if you did. Or it makes you feel like a man and it makes me feel like a woman. Win-win. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. And it's, you know, and everyone has a different belief
1: system around that. And that is fine. If you are a heterosexual woman and you date men and... And you come off as, I don't need you. I don't need your help. I am completely self-sufficient. It's not, you're not gonna, and, and yet, and yet at the same time, you are looking for a lot of romance and you're looking for a man who takes charge once in a while and all that. You see, you're giving a lot of mixed messages. Mm, and so, yeah. yeah, you can be completely self-reliant and also be receptive to
0: chivalrous gestures, 100%. Yes, absolutely. Well, Jillian, I want to talk to you forever. (laughs) Thank you. Forever and ever. ever. Forever and ever. Thank you so much for sharing your heart, your insight, and... I know you walking in so much wisdom and vision is evidence that of the work that you've done. So thank you for letting your pain be your source of freedom and sharing that with me and with us. Um, I just, I can't wait for people to hear this. And I feel like we're definitely going to have to have you back on. So oh, you're <laughs> sweet. thank you so much um, for having me. It's been great chatting with you. Really. Yeah, you as well. And you have memberships, you have, you have coaching opportunities for people. How can people get involved with you, follow along with your wisdom, get in your community, all the things?
1: Yeah. So you can follow me on Instagram at at Jillian Terecki, So it's just my full name. And I have a membership right now. It's so funny because I, I have a lot of men who are seeking to work with me, but I wanted to do a membership just for women called the Conscious Woman Membership, where in it, I just have all my workshops on relationship, on self-worth, everything, forgiving your parents, lots of stuff all in there. And yeah, and I'm actually currently writing a book as well. So that's in the works right now. And, and, uh, to reach out to me, I, so one of the things that I really love to do is that I love to give advice through my Instagram platform. It's like one of my absolute favorite things to do. And I'm going to be starting a blog as well, where I'm um, actually giving advice. So anybody who wants to write me a question, then they can go ahead at info at JillianTarecki.com. And, or they can just follow me on Instagram and ask me questions there. And I always, I try to get to
0: everyone's questions as best as I can. And I always do videos on them. Love it. And the videos are amazing. I I watched... Oh, I
1: watched good. three today. Oh god, <laughs> I'm so glad. <laughs> I love
0: doing them, so
1: I'm glad it's it's resonating. It's
0: definitely resonating. Um, well, thank you so much, and we'll chat soon. Thank you. Before we move on from this episode, I want to reiterate the five questions Jillian posed to help you discern if you may be blocking yourself from love. Number one, are you afraid? Maybe you want a relationship, but you also associate a lot of pain with them. Two, are you losing faith? Or maybe you've put yourself out there so many times and are losing faith that it'll happen. Number three, what's fueling your desire for relationship? Anxiety, desperation, fear? Number four, do you feel desperate for love? Number five, maybe even obsessed with a relationship like your life, purpose, and calling revolve around getting married, aka my life will start when I meet my person. If you find yourself noticing you may be blocking yourself from love, you're not alone. You're also not broken. Welcome to being human. Being human is hard sometimes. So instead of judging yourself, get curious and start taking practical steps towards healing, whether that's therapy, a coaching call with Jillian or myself, or perhaps your first step is allowing yourself to process through and journal the questions above. Healing is possible. And remember, you have the permission to rewrite your story at any moment. Now stay tuned for next week's solo show with yours truly on The Sex Talk, When, How, and Why to Have It in Dating.